Well, praise the Lord. Amen. We're glad to be in the house of God today. Thank you so much for being here. Those that are in-house and on live feed alike, we appreciate you being here with us. We want to go to the Lord in prayer. We've got several prayer requests connected with the church, some that are sick, uh, some that are on the road traveling, uh, just different things that are going on, and we want to pray for each one. If you have a prayer request, text it to the number listed on the bottom of the screen so that we can help you, uh, we can partner with you in prayer. Amen. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you today. want to thank you uh, for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this great opportunity that you've allowed us to come to worship you. Father, we pray right now that you'll move and minister in our Sunday school class, touch each and every one of the teachers, touch the hearts and lives of each one that is represented here today, those that are in-house and those that are on live feet alike. Father, I pray that you'll just continue to move and bless, minister in a mighty way in each life. And God, I pray that you'll touch our Sunday morning service today. I pray, Father, that your anointing would fall and minister to each one that's here today. And I thank you and I praise you for all that you've done and all that you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, just as a reminder, you can visit our website at cvcog.church. And there, on there, you will uh, find our sermon outlines and things like that that you can go with and follow right along with. And that way you can stay connected with us. And you can take notes and everything during the Sunday school lesson and Sunday morning uh, service right, right from your phone, your tablet, or at the house, wherever you may be. And you can email those to yourself so that you can, be, you can keep those with you. Uh, this morning, we're looking at... Our position in God. Our position in God. First thing that we're going to notice here in this particular Sunday school lesson is uh, we have a we living in Christ is a great place of great blessing. Living in Christ is a great place is a place for great blessings. You know, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about keeping the blessings that God has given to us, and so this is a, just a continuation of that. So we know that we need to live in Christ and continue to receive the blessings that God's given to us. Uh, we're going to also focus on the fact that we need to examine and rejoice in the inheritance that we have in Christ. We have an inheritance. Many have not received that inheritance, in a, uh, a part of that inheritance, meaning we've not crossed over Jordan. But while we're here, we're receiving part of that inheritance. I am, I'm living proof that God has given us an inheritance. What is that inheritance? That inheritance is the blessings that God is pouring out in our lives. Amen? So we're going to take a look at a couple of those things uh, this morning as well. And then finally, we're going to talk about the evangelism emphasis as that Jesus gave his life to redeem lost people. Jesus gave his life to redeem the lost we need to take a look at those things and see, how, we're going to focus on that, as how that Christ gave his life for all mankind. It doesn't matter anything about social or uh, uh, gender or race. Jesus gave his life to redeem the lost. Amen. So this morning, let's continue on, and we're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, and it says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. In Him we have redemption through Jesus' blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses 
according to the riches of His grace. When Paul wrote uh, the Ephesian church and give them farewell, he was aware that they might never return to Ephesus. He was aware that, excuse me, that he might never return to Ephesus. But during his visit to Jerusalem, he encountered great difficulties and was eventually, that's when he was sent to Rome as a prisoner. From Rome, he wrote a number of the epistles and the letters and all of these things that he wrote to the churches. And this is what a foundation for the New Testament church that we have today. These letters, this shows us how we need to operate within the business confines, within the administration of the church, within uh, visiting the sick, visiting the lost, going into the homes, all of these things. This is found in these letters. The first of these letters was written to Ephesus. The first of these letters was written to Ephesus. Paul's letters to the Ephesian church was joyous, victorious. It's a letter about the nature of Christ's church. He describes the manner of what the church should be like. I believe that our church world today, it would take, we could, I'm not talking about all church, I'm talking about all churches in general. I'm not talking about a specific individual church. But it would behoove us to go back and look at those letters because it is describing and giving us an indication of how we should operate in the confines of our churches. Amen. It show, these letters shows what the uh, Christian fellowship should actually be like. Amen. God take, has taken the diversity of membership. Now, we need to understand, and I know that Many denominations today in the church world, I, I know that man created the denominations and I got all of that. Uh, and I know that many of the denominations today, uh, over the last, uh, I'm going to say five, five years or so, they have tried to, quote, do a diversity of members. In other words, we don't want to be all just a white church. We don't want to all just be a, a, a black church or African-American church. We don't want to all be this type of church or this type of church. We need to be all-inclusive, and that means we want everybody to be here, white, black, yellow, green, polka-dotted, no matter your lifestyle, no matter your ethnicity, no matter anything in your life, we want everybody to be in the house of God. Here's the difference. When you come in, and this is from Paul's teaching, when you come to the house of God, church, there has to be a lifestyle change. When we come to the house of God, I want everybody to be here. Again, I, I, I want all types of sinners, whether you be a thief, you be a murderer, you be a robber, uh, you, whatever the thing, but liars, all those things, we want them in the house of God. Why? Because we want them to have a lifestyle change. I want people here, and I want you to bring, and, and look, this is Christians alike. I want you to bring the things that's burden you down to the altar and leave it there. Don't pick it up. That doesn't mean that you can't pray over it again. That means you come down, give it to God and say, Okay, God, you got this. Help me through this. Amen. That addiction, bring it to the altar. Uh, that thing that's got you bound, bring it to the altar. That's what God is trying to teach to us. And He's doing that 
through the letters that Paul wrote. If the church world today thinks that they are the first ones that's ever thought about diversity and membership, God has taken, the, uh, Paul, God through Paul has taken the diverse membership for many walks of life and told them that through Jesus Christ they can be a fellowship of believers. Amen? There was a diversity in that day. There was a diversity of folks in the day and time that Paul was in, and he told them, he said, look, you can come together, and through the blood of Christ, you can be brothers and sisters in Christ. This letter affirms that Christ should be and is and ought to be the foundation of the modern day New Testament church. I threw the word modern day there because there's many that think, oh, we got a new thing. We got a new way. We got a new uh, flow from God. We got a new outpouring from God. If it doesn't have Christ at the foundation, it ain't from God. And Paul talks talks about those things. The epistle that he writes here in the book of Ephesians is a statement that shows us that diversity is not an issue that we should be hung up on. I don't care what anything about you. I want you in the house of God. Why? Because there is victory in God. There is blessings in God. And there's promises through God. And we all can receive those things. There's nothing here that indicates in any way, shape, form, or fashion that Paul was in discouragement in what he was going through while he was in prison. As a matter of fact, when Paul writes these epistles, he's act, you would have never thought he was in prison because he's sitting here and he is, he's, he's in a joyous tone. He's in a, a victorious tone. He's in a happy tone. Amen? And so we've got to understand We've got to understand that God wants us to come together. There needs to be no separation. Many times I've heard many religious leaders, denominational leaders, church leaders of the day, I've heard too many of them that really feel like, oh, it's a this generation and a this generation and a this group over here and a this group over here. What does that do? That, that causes a separation in the church. Amen? And what I have brought forward with Coosa Valley is I want us to be, we're one church family under God. Amen? The first section that we're going to look at in the chapter here, Ephesians chapter 1, the first section is Paul praising God for providing salvation to those who believe. The second section is the last half of, of chapter 1. Here we see Paul's thanksgiving and prayer for the Ephesian church that accumulates with a description of God's power. Amen? So we know that God has power and authority in all things that happens. Amen? So first thing that we're going to look at is we're going to look at our spiritual blessings in Christ, our spiritual blessings in Christ. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with us to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start, uh, we're just going to read verses 3 and verse 4, Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the, go the God our fa and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly 
places. Verse 4, even as he, cho- even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So let's go on and look at that. The Apostle Paul, he pronounces blessings on the saints in the Ephesian church. Then he urges them to join in praise for God's blessings. The Greek word that we find here in verse 3, the Greek word for blessing here in the beginning, the word blessing throughout this verse, the Greek word is based on the, uh, a verb that means to speak well of. Too many times parents today will speak uh, uh, speak ill will over their children. You're dumb. You ain't good enough. You're never going to make it. You'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. There's no use in trying to fight for you because you're, you're just bound down. Well, you know what? We need to speak well of our children. We need to speak well of our church brothers and sisters. We need to speak well of. Why? Because then we're speaking blessings on their lives. If, if we say here and we talk about, and I know that we joke around and we talk about different things, but when we come down to the, the seriousness, seriousness and we t- come down to the reality of who Christ and God is in our lives, we need to speak blessings on each other's lives. Amen. I know there's one gentleman in the church that every time I talk to him, uh, he'll talk and he'll say, uh, blessings be unto you or uh, the blessings of God be with you, things like that. You know, church, that means something. It's It's not, oh, Brother Andy, that's just words, and words don't really matter. Well, you know what? Guess what? We're living in a day today that people say words do matter. You know what? And they're they're coming out today with all of these safe spaces and all these things because they're saying that words hurt and words matter. You know what? The Bible tells us way back, many, 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 many years ago that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And the most powerful weapon in the, ma- in the human's body is what? The tongue. Why? Because it cuts to asunder. And we need to understand that words do matter. Paul states that believers are blessed in Christ. Why, how can we be blessed in Christ if we don't have a relationship with Christ? Too many times church folks, too many times Christians, too many times people, too many times mankind, what they try to do is they, what they wind up doing is they, well, I'm going through a hard time, so I'm going to pull away because i got to handle this myself. Or God has brought me out of a bad situation and now things are going good. I don't have to go to church no more. Well, the problem is, is that cuts the relationship between you and God. I'm not talking about those that have not been able to be at church due to COVID or due to any kind of sickness. That is not what we're discussing here. What we're discussing is when people have a spiritual sickness called lazyitis and they get away from God and they don't keep the connection and that relationship with Christ. We must have a relationship between us and the Heavenly Father. How is that relationship? There is a union between us and Christ, Christ and the Heavenly Father. Why? Because Christ is the mediator. He is our advocate with the Father. It is God who chooses us to be blameless before the creation of the world. We can find that in verse 4. And 
God's plan of salvation is not an afterthought. It is what God laid out from the beginning of time. Whenever Adam and Eve sinned, they had fallen short of the glory of God. What did God do? He came down and He made them a coat. Well, there wasn't a Burlington goat factory around. There wasn't a sewing factory. Sister Vardaman, your sewing machine wasn't there. He couldn't just go down to the local Walmart and grab a bunch of uh, uh, material off of the shelf and go over here to a sewing machine and put it together and there they made a coat. Where do you think the coat came from? He went in and there was a sacrifice made of an animal. I don't believe the Bible tells us which one it was, but that's where a coat comes from. And guess what? The blood was shed for the remission of sin. Amen. It starts out in the very beginning and God knew right then and right there there's got to be a plan of salvation for the life of mankind. Amen. Paul states that believers are blessed. We're blessed beyond all measure. Why? Because we are chosen. We're chosen. The word chosen lies in God's initiative rather than a dislike for those who are not chosen. God doesn't select believers because He's obligated to do so or because they have a legal claim to anything to God. To be chosen does not mean a a straw of a random chance. God didn't hand out straws to everybody and whoever has the longest one is not chosen. That's not how we was chosen. God chose mankind to be for the, his breath to be breathed into man and therefore when we are chosen we are chosen not because of the dislike that God has to anybody else, not because we uh, deserve it, but because love, God loves us so much, He chose us. Why don't we choose Him? It's still in verse 4, the word holy. We're just breaking down a couple of words in these verses. The word holy includes the idea of belonging to God. Before I read this next, many times people believe the word holy has something to do with our outward appearance. How we look. While that is a part of holiness... It's not the beginning of holiness. Amen? And I'm going to explain what I mean. Because too many times we're looking too much on the outside and we're not, look, we're not looking at what God sees. I've had many conversations over the last several years. I've told you, I've told this church about going down to one of the stores. 
I was dressed in, in, in dirty, dirty work clothes because I'd been working out in the yard. I'd been sweating. Well, actually, I don't sweat that much. I mean, it's just on my back, but I stunk. I stunk really, really bad. And I go down to one of the stores because I needed some more flowers, needed some more dirt, needed some more stuff. And the lady that was running the, the cash register there at the store and is ringing me up. We're not talking about church. I never mentioned Coosa Valley Church of God. We never mentioned anything like that. But the lady that was, che- that was ringing everything up says, you must be a preacher. I said, how did you know? She said, no, you ain't just it. She said, no, you ain't just any preacher. You are Pentecostal pastor. I said, well, she said, uh-uh. All I did was said, well, she said, uh-huh. I was like, oh, Lord mercy, we're going to have, we're going to have church right in the middle of, she's going to bring out the organ here in just a second. We're going to have church in the middle of Home Depot. I didn't say anything about church, but she knew because our spirit bear witness with one another. And I'm going to tell you something else. The word holy involves, and this is without exception, the word holy involves an inward moral state that once it is in the operation that God wants it to be in, the outward will follow suit. Amen? This observation is translated here, the, the Paul's observation in this, in this verse is without blame or blameless, it is in the background of the Old Testament sacrificial system with the absence of defects in sacrificial animals. The New Testament offerings of Christ is us offering ourselves I'm not without blunt. I'm not without blemish. I'm not without failure. I have faults. I have things wrong with me. Number one, I had to wear glasses. What does that have to do with being holy? Look, that's the problem that people do is they look at the in, they look at the out and they're not looking at the inward. My inward man is not perfect as well. But what we can understand and what we can realize is the fact that whenever God changes the inward man, God doesn't look on our faults and failures. He sees the blood of Christ covering a multitude of sin. And when the inward man lines up with God, then guess what? The outward man will line up. People overlook This small little fact. We don't want to look at this. But this is in conjunction with the Old Testament sacrifices of an animal without spot and without blemish. And we move over into the New Testament. Brother Andy, all this is without biblical backing. The Old Testament without spots and blemish, Leviticus chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 10. And how that we as, as, as living today in the New Testament church need to offer ourselves as a, a, 
holy unto God, an offering sacrificial to Christ is found in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. We need to understand this is a biblical principle. The combination of holy and without blame, without spot, without blemish refers to a Christian's life, a Christian's lifestyle. Whereas the former refers, refers to an inward spiritual quality. Then it also must manifest to an outward quality because it needs to be in our conduct of life. The things that we do. We're not chosen just for salvation, but we're chosen for a holiness living before God. That may not be grammatically correct, but that's biblical. <laughs> Let's go on and take a look at this. Look, look at verse five, the rest of verse 5 and verse 6. Or the last two words in verse 4, then go to 5 and 6. In love, he, oh, I'm going to say this word that people like to throw around. This is one of those words that people like to throw around and they don't really know what they're throwing. Just like the word judge, people like to throw the word judge around and they really don't know what they're talking about. So let's look at this word. May not go as in depth as people want to, but we're going we're gonna to scratch the surface. In love, God predestined you and I for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. I'm going to use this example right here in the word predestined. In high school, there was many, and there was actually a gentleman that whenever I started into college... There was actually a gentleman that approached me and I, my college was going into uh, business administration, the major of accounting. That's where I started out. Many, many steps between there and now, but you know, that's where I started out at. And a gentleman approached me knowing that I was going to school for accounting, approached me to take over his accounting business, his accounting firm. Well, that's not where we're at. But that was a predestined of where he wanted it to happen. So that I could come in and, 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 and learn, learn more. You learn it in school and then you come into the real world and those two are sometimes quite the opposite. You've got to learn what the books say. Then you come in the real life world and things are a lot different than there. And so that's what he wanted to do is bring me into his business and, and predestine me to take over the firm when he retired. Does that make sense? And I know that these words are not necessarily what we would normally use, but I'm trying to show you the word in action, reality in action. Well, what happened? I didn't take over. <laughs> I didn't go to work for him. I didn't do that. Finished out that, started in computer, where while I was taking that degree, go into computer information technology, and then while I'm doing that, I also go into Bible theology. Take three, go into three majors at one time. That's fun. 
And guess where I'm at today? I'm pastoring a church. I'm not in accounting. I'm pastoring. Accounting deals with counting numbers. I still like numbers. But the fact of the matter is, is I'm looking for souls to be saved now. I'm not counting dollars. Amen? Now, knowing that, see how I was predestined to do something, but I chose another path. Does everybody, is everybody with me? Live feed, if you don't understand where we're at, you can't tell me you don't, so... Uh, put a comment or text me and let me know. Because what you need to understand is there is a predestination, but you got to choose. you got to choose. After service, me and Sister Carrie, Miss Katie may get in the car, and we may predestine where we're going to go for lunch. We may arrive, and we can't get in. We may arrive and they may be closed. We'll have to predestine ourselves to go somewhere else. We can make that change. But God predestined for all of us to be saved and become sons of God through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of the will of God. Of the Father. Look at verse 6. To, be to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Let's take a look at this word predestined for just a moment. Two views have been married or brought together with the word predestination. God has predestined individuals whom He would save, and God has chosen or predestined the plan by which people would be saved. But a right understanding of the passage shows that Paul's emphasis upon predestination is on what rather than who. The rather than the who. The who being you and I. The rather is through the cross of Calvary. Many today believe there's some that have said, I, I've heard it from people's mouths. I'm too bad or too evil, done too much. I can't go to heaven. We can all go to heaven through the blood of Jesus Christ. We've, we've seen it and heard it on TV time and time again. We've heard different individuals. We've heard people standing up behind pulpits and they try to make another plan of salvation. In other words, there's another way. You know, we could leave here and there's two or three different ways to get to Walmart. And it depends on traffic as the direction you're going to go. If traffic's too bad, you know what we do, Brother Chuck? Turn around and come back home. <laughs> Every one of y'all grinned and every one of you knows what I'm talking about. But the fact of the matter is there may be multiple ways to get to Walmart, but there's only one way to salvation, and that is the cross of Calvary. I'm going to tell you this, and people look at me funny, so I'm going to take my glasses off just in case anybody does. 
Just because there's one way to salvation and that is through the cross of Calvary does not mean that there's only one way to the cross. What I mean by that, before somebody gets all, all boogie-eyed and everything else, too many times people believe that the only way to the cross of Calvary is I've got to, it has to be right here. On the, not over there, right here. Let me tell you something. You can get to the cross of Calvary for salvation, whether you're here, whether you're there, whether you're at your house, whether you're in your vehicle going down the road, or knelt down at the couch or the toilet at the house. You can get to the cross of Calvary in multiple ways. But there's got to be a drawing. There's got to be an urging from the Holy Spirit of God. I know people think that I'm crazy and foolish when I say some of that. But we've got to understand, just because you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you wasn't knelt down right here at this altar, does not mean you're not saved. But the fact is, and we'll talk about this sometime later on, is one, and we've been talking about it many, many times, once you get saved, it does not stop there. A right understanding of the passage shows God takes the initiative to predetermine the destination of mankind to be adopted into the family of God, but we must choose to follow that destination. We must choose to be holy and blameless before God. Adoption is an important aspect of redemption as mentioned by Paul on numerous occasions in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 9, Galatians chapter 4, and Ephesians chapter 1. Paul stresses the process by which believers become sons and daughters of God and this relationship is made possible through the work of God at the cross of Calvary. We must accept God working in our lives and say, God, here I am, a willing vessel. Fill me up one more time. Use me in the will that you would have me. Adoption has many benefits. We have some in this church that they have adopted children. Some, uh, me and Sister Carrie has talked about this many times, some has adopted us. I don't know how many mommies and daddies we've got or grandparents we've got. And, and my daughter has, I don't know, probably 150,000 great-grandparents uh, as well. You know why? Because people have adopted. Now, what does a, now I'm not talking in the legal sense, but they, you know what I'm saying. But what we must understand is this, is adoption carries benefits. Adoptions carry benefits. I've, I have quote, adopted many kids from the churches we've been at, the benefit that I wished I had was counting them on my taxes. Boy, that, should, that sure would, would help. I wonder if I start counting up all the food that I feed them and all that. I wonder if that comes as a discount. Oh, my dad. I'm kidding, y'all. I'm kidding. But what we must understand is there is benefits in adoption. First, it, will, it frees us from all fear. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. It allows us, number two, it allows us to have more of an intimate relationship with our heavenly Father. That's found in uh, verse 15. 
Third, it provides an inner assurance of a relationship as God's Spirit bears witness with our own, found in verse 16. Fourth, we become co-heirs with Christ. There's many other things, but those are the things that we're talking about this morning. Paul recognizes the significance that grace pays in our salvation. Through adoption, we have grace and mercy from God. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I've got great, the grace of God in my life. I'm glad that I've got the mercies of God in my life. Amen? Amen. Verse 7, let's go on and let's take a look. Redemption and revelation. Take a look at verse 7. Let's read verses 7 through 10. We'll read them straight on through. And then we'll take a look at these verses. In Him who we have redemption, through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to His the graces of His riches, riches of His grace, excuse me, which He lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite in Him, in, to unite unto, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. So we take a look at a couple of things out of these verses, and I'm going to try to hurry to get on to the rest of this Sunday school lesson this morning. In verse 7, Paul talks about the work of Christ in salvation. He uses the key word, redemption. This word, you know, I'm going to tell you something before I read all that, before I read what this definition is for redemption. I think that many times, if Christians and church folks alike, I'm, and I use that separately there, because just because you're a church folk doesn't mean you, you're a Christian. You can, be in, you can come to church, that doesn't mean you're saved. Coming to church is not meaning you're saved. I want sinners in church, okay? So now, looking at that, I think that Christians, I think that Christians, as they have their Bible, and they read in private time, I wish, I wish that they would also have a Webster's Dictionary laying beside them as well. Because I believe that there's many a times that they, that Christians, you and I like, I got, I, look, y'all want to know how many dictionaries I got in my office? Too many to count. I got dictionaries. Why? Because we need to know the definition of the words we're using. Amen? I think that there's many a times that we don't know what we're speaking, but yet we're speaking the words, but we really don't know what it means. So let's take a look. So I love having a Webster's Dictionary around, okay? The word redemption means to release on ransom. Meaning... Deliverance has a cost associated with it. Is that right? Everybody understand me? 
We need to understand that whenever we have been redeemed, you know, there's a song that we sing. I am redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. Christ, yeah, I ain't on key. On key. I'm on the key of Q. Christ is mine. All to Him I now resign. I have been, I have been redeemed. We have redemption. That means a price has been paid to ransom us away from sin. Why do we waste the ransom? Boy, that's a, that's a deep, deep question there. Why do we waste the ransom? What do I mean by that? Many times people get saved and they get, they get in the relationship with God and then all of a sudden they start, they get out of the, and I hate, I hate, I hate using this, but this is what mankind does. We get out of the habit of doing things for God. And then all of a sudden we start slipping away from God. We fall back into that life of sin. Well, guess what happens at that point in time? The ransom that brought us out of sin was wasted on us because we fell back into that. But now we've got to come back out of that. We've got to get back into the fact, oh, brother, Andy, that, none of that's biblical. It is biblical. James talks about many times about a backslidden state. We need to stay away from that. I've used this analogy before and I'll use it, I'll use this and I'll stay up here on the stage so that live feed can see it. Live feed, you can't see my feet, thank goodness. But I'm standing on the edge, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of, of the stage. At any moment, I could I could fall. I'm reaching back and hanging on, okay? I am very, very, I'm, I, most of my foot is off of the stage. Now, if sin reached up and, you, I don't have a good footing. I'm hanging on. I don't have a good footing. But you know what? It's easier to pull me down if I ain't got a good footing. Too many times people want to be this close to being worldly. This is the world. This is salvation. People want to get too close to the world. Then the reality we need to be is we need to get close to the cross of Calvary. Amen? Because if I'm way back here, if I'm trying to get closer to the cross, the world can't grab a hold of me. But too many times we long for that that we left behind. Sinners are in a spiritual bondage. They're sold under sin. There's no freedom. They're hopeless. They're captive. But praise be to God. The blood is enough. We can shout and praise to God because Jesus' blood paid the price and His blood was enough. Don't waste what God has given to us. Amen? If I give somebody a hundred dollar bill and they go waste it, they throw it in the trash can. If you do that, tell me what trash can you threw it in. 
give somebody a $100 bill and they waste it, what good was that $100 bill? You see my point in that. Don't waste the blood of Christ. We need to become a new creature. Let's go on. Not only has God given us redemption and forgiveness according to the riches of His grace, but according to the wealth of His grace, He has done so in an extreme manner. He lavished grace upon us. Paul concludes his description in verse 9 by saying that it is the mystery of the will of God. That is the plan of salvation by referring to the revelation of humankind by God. Mystery means something that is incomprehensible or unexplainable. Something that was hidden and is now made known. Let me tell you something. The Word of God has been hidden to us until we become saved, but we still don't know the full knowledge and depthness of the Word of God. I don't care how long you've been saved, you don't know the fullness of God. Today, people have problems with the idea of, sa of salvation. How can I, people say this, and I've heard it too many times, how could God save somebody like me? How could God save me? Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Nope. But I know what He sent His Son to do on the cross of Calvary for mankind. Let's go on because there's no way I'm going to finish this Sunday school lesson. And that's a good thing, I think. Let's take a look on. Go on to verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 11 through 14. As you're finding that in your Bible, remember on our uh, website and on our social media page, there is daily devotions that's going to be posted every morning. And those devotions go right along with our Sunday school lessons. It helps us to dig deeper in the Word of God. I urge you to take a look at those and go with those. Taking a look at verse 11 and verse 12. Let's take a look here this morning. Starting in verse 11. In Him we have obtained, in Him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Verse 12. So that we who were the first in hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Verse 13. In Him you also, when you heard the truth, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. You know, let's take a look at a couple things. God has purchased us with a price. Paul makes a distinction between the, in verse 11, Paul makes a distinction with the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews in verse 11, he says we, and then in verse 13 you also find the word ye or you. The thought here is that Israel was specifically chosen 
by God. Not due to our personal privilege, but for salvation purposes. The we, which is the Jews, has been defined as being obtained an inheritance and predestined according to God's purpose. God's choice of Israel to be God's chosen people was so she would live to praise His glory. Well, guess what? They did not accept the Messiah. Right? Is everybody with me? Don't, throw no, don't anybody throw no rotten tomato at me. Make sure it's real good and then carefully hand it to Sister Carrie so we can have a mater sandwich after a while. But here's the thing. God chose the children of Israel. They did not accept the Messiah. Doesn't mean that they're not God's chosen children. They're still God's chosen. But Paul was sent to the Gentiles to say, Hey, mine in your language. This is not all biblical words. This is me and you talking here. God sent Paul, sent the disciples, sent others to the Gentiles and said, Hey, basically... Hey, they didn't accept Jesus as the Son of God. Will y'all accept Him? Many of them said, yeah. I want a better way. Some said, uh-uh. But that's just like it is today. All of mankind has a choice. Do you choose to follow God and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, or do you choose to reject Paul seeks to reemphasize what he's already said earlier in this chapter about God's initiative in the salvation plan for humanity. Paul tells us in verse 11 that God works all things according to His will. Then he also tells us in verse that he uses the same word that he used in verse 5, that the word, the will of God. As important as it may be, it is better that we take a long, broad view of the will of God and we choose to praise God rather than to follow the traditions that mankind has laid out. You know, I think there was a phrase that many said way back then when Jesus was saying, look, you can follow... And Jesus did this. He said, you can follow all these traditions and things like that, or you can follow after God. Because a lot of the traditions of man was after man. I'm going to throw one out that everybody's going to really cause some hairs to stand up on their head. Did you know, y'all don't tell nobody I said this because I don't want nobody throwing a book at me. Did you know that the Bible does not say that Sunday morning service has to start at 11 a.m.? There was a church, Sister Carrie will tell you this happened. There was a church that we was trying to help that was without a pastor. We said, if you'll change your Sunday morning time to 2 p.m. or 2.30 p.m., me and another pastor will rotate and we'll come and we'll do services on Sunday for you at 2.30, 2 3 o'clock p.m. so that we could, I was gonna, basically I was going to do Sunday morning at my church go there and do a 2.30 service and then come back at my, at my church and do a 6 
5 or 6 o'clock service every other Sunday. We said we would do that. They said, uh-uh. You know what, their th what the thought process was? Bless God, we've always had it at 11. We're always going to have it at 11. We was like, okay. The, cl the church closed. Look, I'm going to tell you something. If Coosa Valley Church of God, let me, let, me take, let me change the word. Can I change the word if? Rewind that. Let me change the word if. I'm going to change it to this. When Coosa Valley Church of God grows to the point that we, that we, we have too many people in this, in this sanctuary and we go to two Sunday morning services, we might not get to have one of them at 11. And that'll be okay. Somebody told me that, you know, they hadn't been here in quite some time due to COVID and, you know, trying to be safe. And I won't tell you who is. But this person told me that if, if, if they came back to church and somebody was sitting in their seat, she, you know what she said? She said, I'll find another one. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this in because too many times, I didn't say that name on live, the just in-house, by the way. What we need to understand is too many times man is so stuck on tradition rather than following the will of God. We never did the screens on the wall until we did. Fifty years ago, they didn't have this. They barely had the books that's in there. You hearing what I'm saying? They did service without the books until they did. They probably couldn't afford all the books. They, bought, they bought, only bought enough to share within every third person. Brother Chuck, you can hold it for the first song. I'm holding it for the second song. You hear what I'm saying? And then they did, they did church like that until they did put the screens on the wall. Do you know what I was told many a times? I'm, I'm closing here. I, I'm, I'm just trying to bring a point here. You know what I was told whenever the screens got put on the walls? That that was of the devil. That's the devil. That ain't of God. We've never done... There's the, there's the sentence. We've never done it that way. Then we never did... We never did church with live feet until we did. Coosa Valley was doing live feed before COVID hit. I'm glad we was doing live feed... And then when COVID hit, we wasn't scrambling around trying to figure out how to connect. We was already doing it. I'll tell you something. I did not like coming in here with... I, I, I liked looking out and seeing my twin sitting back here. Except every time I do this, he doesn't do that. I don't understand. But during that time of shutdown, we didn't have... I'm glad we had... And now we're doing what they call it a hybrid service now. We're doing in-house and live feed, doing, every, doing things on social media, doing things on, on our website, doing all these things to stay connected. But we didn't used to do church that way. No, but we are now. 
God can work if we keep God in the middle of it. Amen? I'm going to tell you one last thing. Let me give you one last thing out of our scriptures and then we're going to close. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God is God's way of assuring us that better things are yet to come. Salvation is a gift of God. When we receive it, God is trying to use us through the Holy Spirit of God to reach somebody else. So the question is, are you trying to reach somebody else? Amen? Live feed, thank you so much for being a part of our services this morning. Join us back here at 11 o'clock for our Sunday morning service. Remember, if you have any prayer requests, be sure to text those to the number on the bottom of the screen. You can also visit our website for sermon outlines, online giving, live feed options, podcast, daily devotion. Be sure to in-house and live feed a lot. Be sure to visit our website for the daily devotion so that way you can uh, study the Word of God right along with our Sunday school lesson. These things just tie right in. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us back in about 15 minutes for our Sunday morning service. May God bless you. Amen and amen.